Justice Tech Bros here. I uh, hope everybody's doing as well as could be expected during this trying time. I was holding off on putting out a podcast. And then, you know, for obvious reasons, but part of me was thinking it could be therapeutic in the sense that it offers a bit of an escape. We're all dealing with something similar day by day, and everybody has different obstacles based on what is going on. And there's only so much you can immerse yourself in that. Uh, Between the news channels online, that's all you see, statistics and data and information that is far from pleasant. And my thoughts really go out to everyone, everyone being affected by this on so many levels. I mean, there's so many layers to this thing where it affects everybody occupationally, financially, physically, emotionally. It goes on and on. And my, my thoughts go, thoughts and prayers go out to everybody because it is a trying time, but all we could do is just keep pushing through. And I figured I'd put out an episode just to help with the distraction and to help the listeners just take a bit of a break from their daily uh, worries and concerns. And uh, that's all I'm really going to say. I don't want to harp on it. You know, I, I've done an episode about it, and I, I want this one to be kind of an escape. So, um. In dealing with everything going on, you know, I I was noticing a lot of headlines and I figured I'd focus today's episode just on different thoughts and the feelings I had towards what's going on and maybe enlighten a few or just offer another perspective and have people think about certain things. Uh, The the hot topic really within the justice system now is is prisoners uh, being allowed to get out based on the current conditions, you know, and rightfully so. I mean, if you're sentenced and you're doing your time, you should not also have to worry about your your life being in jeopardy. And there's people being released. But what concerns me about that is you could see that the same set of rules are not applying to people being released. The only set of rules that should really apply is the aspect of what kind of risk to somebody's life the current pandemic causes. So if you have somebody who is a high risk based on their age, based on health conditions, they should be treated as such. They should not be looking at, which they always revert to, and I I hate to keep harping on it, but that's really the basis of of my podcast and what I'm trying to bring light to is they they harp on titles and, and labels. And you see it playing out, you know, you see where, I was reading article after article where you have, you have some real, um, you know, have some individuals who are accused of being uh, child molesters and, and, and terrible, terrible crimes and they're being let out based on what's going on. But then you have someone who's supposedly a member of, of, of an enterprise or a criminal organization or organized crime and they're not even getting the shot. You know, they're not even being allowed to be heard in front of a judge to be released. And, and you know, you have people in their 70s, 80s with, 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 with health issues. And, and where it's saying all over the news that the elderly are more exposed and are, are more susceptible to experiencing, God forbid, you know, really serious, serious adverse effects due to this pandemic. And yet, those who fit those guidelines are not even being heard or even having the opportunity to be released because 
their supposed member of some kind of organized crime. And, you know, I can't wrap my head around that because, again, it should be, you know, the same room for all, rule for all. If, if somebody meets a certain risk factor and somebody's within that threshold where they, if they are exposed, their life is in danger and others are being released based on that, why should the rules not apply to this person, to this person, regardless of some supposed title or whatever you want to say? It shouldn't be, but yet it is, and it's happening all over. And it's just, you know, it's very concerning because that blatantly shows that, that in the simplest form shows the bias that takes place, and it seems like society's okay with that. You know, you don't hear any uproar about it, you don't hear anybody making noise about it, it just kind of happens. You know, uh, the council gets ignored. Uh, they, they're even hesitant to put in the motions because they know they'll just get knocked down. And when you think about that, that alone's a problem. Just to be hesitant to put it in because you feel it could be knocked down, which it probably will, that says it alone when you see people all around you being let out. I was reading today that ICE, uh, federal judge, uh, uh, required ICE to let out all illegal immigrants. And I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong. That's not the issue at all. What I'm saying is the same rule should just apply to all. That's all I'm saying. If you if there's a factor, you know, I'm sure there's, they have a formula for who's considered high risk uh, due to this pandemic and who's at most risk of, God forbid, getting serious problems and complications if they do contract it. So if you have somebody who fits within that formula, it should not be a pick and choose if they get out or not. It should just be across the board. That's who gets released first and then go from there. Maybe there's different levels to it. You know, level one who's most susceptible and then so on and so forth. And um, that's not happening. You know, it's more of an individual basis. And it goes back to the judge who um, who the individual's in front of or the person's in front of. And it's just... Uh, you could tell it's just a, a legitimate bias that's taken place. It's a personal view of who they believe should be let out and who they believe shouldn't. And that shouldn't be the case. This should be more of a scientific and more of an analytical factor. Whereas if you meet guidelines, you, you strip away who the person is, strip away you know things of that nature, just go by the facts. And if they fit into that mold and they're up for release, they should be released. And I'm not saying they just released, everything's done. Accommodation should be made if they have to go into house arrest or whatever the, the current conditions are. If somebody's serving time, have them serve the time in their house and the home confinement. You know, again, uh, it costs a ton of money to keep a prisoner in jail. So you can't sell me the argument that it will cost more money to have them on house arrest. It's not going to. They don't have to feed them. They don't have to board them. It's a whole different scale of economics, and, and I, I'm certain the cost will be less. So again, it's just, it's, it's right in your face and it's clear as day how it is, how it's a matter of, of bias and picking and choosing who you decide to get out. And I'm going to give you a prime example of that where it's, it's not a fact of law, but it's a fact of what the judge that you're appearing in front of feels. There was somebody, uh, there was a uh, case where you had three defendants. They were all charged with the exact same crimes. They were all part of the exact same case. 
the three defendants went in front of um, their judge to appear for for a compassionate release based on the, the virus. Two of the defendants appeared in front of the standing judge, the same same judge that's assigned to the case. They were both knocked down for the same reasons. The third defendant appeared in front of another judge. For some reason, the scheduled judge couldn't make that hearing, so they brought in another substitute judge to hear the, uh, the argument. And lo and behold, they were granted release. So now what does that tell you? You have three individuals charged with the same crime, uh, crimes on the same indictment, I should say. Uh, they they were part. They, they all have their supposed labels and their supposed whatever they want to say that they're a member of, but the only variable was the judge. So right there alone, that tells you you have one judge who has his or her personal bias and who they believe should be let out and who they shouldn't, and you have another judge who stepped in and seemed to go by. What is really taking place? And, and they didn't factor in all the other nonsense. They just went by, is this person at risk? And they decided the person was at risk. And they were all around the same age, same type of situation as far as health. And yet, one judge decided should be released and, the other, and, and another judge decided that two should be held. That right there shows you the mindset. And I don't know. I don't know how people don't see that that's a problem. You know, it doesn't... It doesn't resonate. It doesn't cause any headlines. You'll see a story here and there written about it, but it's not a big, it's not a big topic, and it should be because the average citizen, the average American, should just realize when things are pick and choose like that, that's a problem. You know, they. I know people look at it like, well, I'm not in that position. I'm not breaking the law. I'm not in jail. It doesn't affect me. But they're wrong in the sense that it affects just civil rights. When everybody, you know, when you don't have the same rule for all regardless of titles, regardless of race, regardless of whatever someone could stereotype about. It's an issue. And it may not affect you directly, but it will affect society. And that should raise a flag. That should, you know, that should not be something that is so easily acceptable. And it should not be something that's just chalked up to, well, that's what happens. And unfortunately, that's what takes place. And I'm seeing it time and again. People are just getting out. Some are not getting out. And it's all based on what the judge feels like doing. And, you know, it really shows the power that the, the judge has. And if you don't have a fair judge and you don't have a judge who is looking at things, weighing in compassion, weighing in um, risks, weighing in humanity, taking away the titles, taking away labels and just looking at each case based on that you have a problem if you have a judge who is just you know has a vendetta or has a a specific uh stereotype in their head that they just feel all a certain class of people deserve certain things they control everything they control your livelihood they control who gets out and who doesn't and it shouldn't be that way you know it should be as i said earlier it should be more of of a formula based system right now. We're in uncharted territory. This thing never happened. You can't leave that up to somebody's discretion. This isn't discretionary. This should be more uh, of something that's just fact-based. And if somebody meets a certain criteria, regardless of titles, regardless of whatever you want to give that person, labels and 
you want to make sure that criteria, if they if they fit that criteria and they should be let out, then they should be let out. But to pick and choose and to roll the dice and you have to pray that you get a judge who is, you know, fair that day. It's a scary situation to be in and to have no hope because if you're dealing with somebody who has this label and who has this stereotype and you just know you have no hope if you already experienced a judge whose rulings, whereas he or she were just blatantly, blatantly biased and you just know you have no shot to take that hope away from family members and from the individual, it's it's a true injustice and people aren't seeing it. You know, I know uh, there's a lot opposed to the whole um, concept of allowing people to get out of jail due to this pandemic. But you have to realize there's always two sides to every story, you know, and there's a lot of people in jail that shouldn't be in jail. A lot of people who are falsely in jail. A lot of people who have minimal, minimal charges against them that are in jail. You don't know all the facts. So the easiest way to remove all that without having to get so detailed is you just have, you should have a certain criteria. And if that person fits that criteria, then you make accommodations. Just because somebody is in jail, they don't deserve to be put in a position where they could, God forbid, lose their life based on the conditions. That's not what the justice system is about. It's not about taking somebody's life who wasn't sentenced to death. Now you're pretty much converting their sentence to possibility of death. I didn't know that was a new option where, you know, you have the possibility of death. And that's a scary situation, and they should make amends and try to to navigate that properly. And the only way to do that properly is you have to take out the human aspect of it. And how do you do that? You make a formula. You make a guideline. If somebody fits within a certain criteria, that's it. Nothing else could be factored in. Come up with a criteria. If somebody fits in it, that's it. They're either in or they're out based on that criteria. If they fit it, they're out. If they don't, they're in. That's the easiest way to do it. And that's not perfect either. I'm not saying that's a perfect, but at least it's somewhat fair. At least people will have a shot then. The way it's done now, it's just, it's not being done the right way. And you have families who just know they don't even have a shot because of, of what took place. I mean, that's what, you know, unfortunately my family's going through that. You know, where, you know, in my case, we have a loved one who's away, who's 100% innocent. And not only the innocent, now they have to worry about their livelihood because they they have a, an alleged title or whatever you want to call it. They don't even have a shot now, which isn't going to stop us from trying, but you just see the writing on the wall. A very minimal, minimal shot to, to be released. And why is that? Why? Because the powers to be decide it that way. And they, and they pick and choose who stays and who goes. That's a hard pill to swallow when, you know, you're almost helpless. You can't even help somebody who deserves to be helped, who, who deserves to be treated fairly, and you can't even do that. You can't even step in and try because you don't have the control. You know, it's not a good place to be. And, and it's, it's when you look at it logically and take out feelings and take out uh, personal views, anybody with a brain could see it's not a fair system. And to give that much power where somebody could pick and choose who goes home and who doesn't based on personal preconceived notions, that's a problem on any level. And anyone should be able to see that. 
one other topic I just wanted to touch on, and I hate to even touch on it, to be honest, but I can't help myself because every time I turn on the TV, I see these ridiculous commercials for a new reality show. And of course, the basis of the reality show is these individuals who are supposedly related to people who are supposed to be somebody, but yet they're doing a reality show. So I I don't know that I find that amusing. You're supposed to be related. You're supposed to be part of this uh, alleged organization, but you're airing everything out on national TV for people to see. But you want to act like, you know, you're trying to avoid it and you don't want to be part of it and you're trying to break away from it. It's just so ridiculous on every level. But the point of me bringing it up is as, as disgusting and repulsive as the show is, one thing I just found amusing where I'm sure it ties over to a lot of cases. The government always tries to tell when an informant, and the show, the reason why I'm uh, bringing it up is the show is one, one of the members of the show is, a, is an informant who now is rebuilding their life and, you know, the family, the uh, informant's family, all informants are now trying to, uh, you know, create a life and they got this reality show after being an informant. So the reason why I'm bringing bringing it up is this. On on all the trials and people who've experienced this, when they bring in an informant to testify, the government right away or the state will really harp on how the individual has no motive to testify. You know, there's nothing that they're really going to gain and they still risk going to jail if they testify. So they're just uh, they're just saying the truth because they have no ulterior motives. Now look at this concept on the most simplistic form. You're basically telling all potential informants or liars, I should say, because I've experienced in my personal experience with trial, I've just experienced liars. Uh, when you deal with a witness, at least a witness is supposed to say the truth. I didn't experience that where it related to my father specifically, every single one of the witnesses or informants were liars because they weren't saying the truth. They were saying whatever fit and suited their agenda. So I have to just call them liars. But all these informants slash liars, when they get on the stand, you know, the uh, government and the state try to tell the jurors, this individual has nothing to gain. There's no agenda here. They're here because they want to change their life. And, and, you know, they give that whole speech. Forget about everything else. Forget about the, the sentence reductions. Forget about everything else I spoke about in past past episodes. Forget about the letter that they get uh, to basically get a reduction in sentence. Forget about all that. What is this show telling people? This show is telling them, after you're done being an informant, you have the opportunity to have book deals and now reality shows Whereas your whole family is set up with a career because you were an informant, you put people away, now your whole family could get a whole career. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to do anything in life and society. They could just live off this nonsense, live off this ridiculous reputation of being an informant, and make a career out of it, make money from it. Get book deals, get reality shows, be big on social media, all because... Someone was in a foreman who put other people away. Now their whole family is set up with a career in reality TV where they're airing out their personal stuff and all the nonsense trying to act like, you know, there's something they're not 
when you break it down, it's just really a family of informants talking about being informants and trying to live off of that reputation. But yet they're on a reality show. They want to act like they have some kind of crazy reputation, but they're on a reality show. So I don't know. I can't put those two pieces together. I find it comical. But people eat it up, you know. And again, I don't want to go into too much detail. I have my own strong feelings on that nonsense, especially when you see, you know, people doing life's in jail, you know, doing the rest of their life in jail based on a former who lied. I have my own strong opinions on this nonsense. But in simplest form, you know, if I was an attorney, the first thing I would do is I would bring clips of every one of these ridiculous shows and I would use that in my opening statement. I would play the intro to every one of these ridiculous shows. I would buy every book that one of these informants wrote or one of their family members wrote, anything that they generated revenue, and I would pile it up on the desk. I would just dump it all out of like garbage bags because that's where they belong in garbage bags. I would dump it all out on garbage bags and I would queue up all different parts of these ridiculous shows and I would play them. And I would tell the jury, yeah, okay, later on in trial, the government's going to tell you how they have no reason to lie and no motivation. Here it is. I would count all the books. Here it is, all these books, all these mo- all these uh, reality shows. Here they are on TV. Here they are on Instagram. They're selling products on social media now. They're getting deals to talk about products. There's your motivation in one, in one visual right there. I would dump it all out. And I'd want to see the jurors' you know, expression when they put that together. When they realize, you know, they connect the dots and they see what these things could lead to. And that's what most of these informants have in their mind. Let's not kid ourselves. That's what they have. You know, the future, what they could do in the future, what they could parlay this into. If they testified against somebody who had a a big name, that's what they have planned out. Some kind of, you know, and and in this case, this informant, uh, you know, set up his whole family. His whole family rode his informant coattails. So they became informant, you know, by proxy. And uh, so it's just a family of informants riding out that whole, that whole persona just to make money. And unfortunately, society eats it up. You know, society uh, is the thriving, driving force behind these things. Because in reality, they shouldn't even watch it, but that's another topic. But that was really my point. I just wanted to focus on the part that where you get the government and you get the state where they try to paint the picture that there's no motives and there's no agendas to somebody's informants, and it's just not true. It's not a reality. And again, that's how I would counteract that. If I was a defense attorney, I'd walk in the courtroom like Santa Claus with a giant a giant uh, garbage bag on my back with every book, every reality show, and dump it all on the table and say, here's your motive. There's, there's every informant's motive right here for my client. This is what their end game is. They want to have these reality shows. They want to have all this. And, and, that, and that'll make a nice impact on that argument that there is no motive. Getting back to just how um, things are affected now. You know, it's a shame what everybody, anybody dealing with who's wrapped up in the legal system, they're realizing now this is really pushing so many things back and it's just changing time frames. I mean, for example... We're waiting on an appeal, and that pushes everything back now. You know, we can't work on the appeal. Well, we can work on it, but we can't file it, I should say. That all gets pushed back. 
and because everything's pushed back, sentencing's pushed back, so that changes the time frame of everything. And what's frustrating about that, especially when you have somebody who's innocent, is now they're just sitting in jail while all this is going on and time is just going by. And you can't even fight fight your case. It's almost like everything's on halt. And I feel for everybody in similar situations, you know, those going to trial, those sitting in jail, those who didn't make bail, everything's put on hold and everything's postponed. I was reading how several um, districts were uh, were doing um, teleconferencing. I don't know how that's all going to work out. I don't know to what, you know, to how far it's going to go. You know, if it's going to be just hearings and sentencing, I, I don't know how that's going to affect things. But, uh... That's another factor, that's another another piece of the puzzle that's really going to throw a monkey wrench in constitutional rights, right to speedy trial, and that's all going to be affected. And it really makes you think, how are they going to fix that? You know, it's, uh, it's a problem. And it, all it does is it's prolonging a lot of things that shouldn't be prolonged, and it's making things more and more difficult. And that's nobody's fault. I mean, that's I'm just talking about. It. That's just a pandemic, but it's something that should be resolved. I mean, they gotta, you know, those in charge really need to decide the best way to navigate that and to try to give as much rights back to uh, those being charged, especially uh, those who are innocent till proven guilty. You want to prevent them from having their rights violated during this time, and those who are incarcerated who are looking for an appeal and those who have legitimate appeal issues. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of unknowns and it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious how these things are going to play out and what accommodations are going to be made to kind of get the ball rolling again to get things moving. Being an impatient person already, it's hard when you're just kind of frozen. You're frozen in time and you can't really do anything. You can't put nothing in. You can't work on anything because you're kind of in the, waiting for things to pan out, you know, especially if now working on an appeal and things are just kind of frozen. Obviously, investigation still goes on and, and compiling things, but you want to have dates, you know, you really want to have dates to, to focus on and look forward to. And and this uh, point in time, it's, it's, just, it's very concerning because you don't know, is it going to get postponed again? Is it going to get pushed back again? And before you know it, you blink and months and then years are going by. So I guess we'll see how things pan out. But for everybody listening, anybody who may be going through it, you know, we'll have to see how things uh, progress. And hopefully the, the justice system on all different districts will come up with ways that can kind of fill that gap. You know, it's impossible to make it seamless, but you figure they'll be able to come up with ways that minimize the effects on somebody's constitutional right that they have while still allowing for current conditions. So we'll see how that all plays out. That's it for today's episode. I hope uh, this 30 minutes fulfilled a bit of a distraction for the listeners. And uh, everybody stay safe and be well. Talk to you soon.